Hi everybody and welcome to the City of Marion's Literary Anything podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things literary and literally anything. My name is Andrea and I'm joined here today by Sasha from Charles Sturt Library Service. Sasha is the coordinator of literacy and learning, but she is also an author and illustrator of children's books, including Snap and Pig Out. So welcome, Sasha. Thanks very much for having me today, Andrea. Cool. We're very, very stoked to have you. So today we will be talking about Mame, a new novel by Jessica George that's been on bestseller lists across the world and has recently been optioned for a TV series. But before doing that, we wanted to take a moment to get to know Sasha as a reader. So this is a new format for us. What we'll be doing from here on in with our podcast is I will be hosting them. And we'll be inviting librarians from across South Australia to come and visit and chat to us and tell us a little bit about themselves as readers, a little bit about their service and what they do. So Sasha is our very first guest, so we're incredibly chuffed that you're here with us today. And so we have prepared five quickfire questions for you to get to know you a little bit better as a reader. So are you ready, Sasha? I think I am. Okay. So, Sasha, what is the best book you've read in the last year? The best book that I've read, I'm quite a diverse reader in that I like to read not just adult fiction and and non-fiction, but also children's books as well. Awesome. So yeah, really inspired to see what's sort of coming out in in the children's book area. I also very much read a lot of Australian authors as well. So I've been reading Jack Charles' Born Again Blackfella and um, really been enjoying that. A couple of other authors that I've really enjoyed and found couldn't put down was Tim Winton's book, which is The Shepherd's Hut. And it's quite a, you know, brutal and, you know, very, I'm a very visual person. So it really describes also the Australian landscape and the the harshness of that but also delves into the the psyche of you know a young male in Australia you know having lots of challenges and his identity and uh, yeah it's a quite amazing book so I really found that amazing and hard to put down. Excellent. Um, Hannah Kent is another favourite of mine. Burial Rights is another fantastic read where couldn't put it down. Yeah it's a great one. I'm very interested in Iceland uh, because I have a very good friend who lives in Iceland who I met when I was in high school. Oh, wow. And so that landscape of Iceland, and I was so fascinated by it as a, a 16-year-old meeting this this exchange student who came to my school mm. and reading this, again, the landscape very much inspired me. It's very sparse and the sorts of the story that was happening there, also quite intense as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those would probably be some favourites that I've read. This year, so quite a contrast to the light and bright, cheerful, you know, children's books that I I love. Yeah, Uh, I have a son and constantly reading picture books and now getting into graphic novels and um, finding lots of quirky graphic novels for him to read and for us to read together. So that's that's also a joy for me as well. But yeah, my own reading, the more mature reading, it's 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 yeah, definitely Australian authors and Mm. true stories, stories that delve into people's emotional worlds and identities are very interesting to me. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. there's some great choices. I love Jack Charles as like a kind of natural born storyteller, I reckon. He's incredible. He's had an incredible life, but Mm -hmm. he's so good at just just talking about himself really openly and honestly. It's funny and moving. He's a great, great writer. Very natural. Very natural voice. And I think that's what I love love reading his voice is just coming through and you feel like you're sitting there with him listening to him sharing his story yeah I guess that must come from because he was a for people who don't know Jack Charles he was Mm. also an actor and he Mm. did um spoken word tours as well Mm. so he's just really honed or had really honed I think he passed away last year Mm. yeah just really honed that storytelling voice he's an incredible man oh amazing man very very inspirational such a generous spirit as well yeah and I just I love that generosity that's come through despite the harshness of the experiences he's had. He's so open to welcoming people into his world and, yeah, very generous. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great tip. So we'll pop all of these on our website as well so people will be able to refer back and get their hands on them as well. Excellent. Okay, Sasha, our second question for you. Do you have a favourite place to read? Mm. That's an interesting question. (laughs) I just like to curl up where it's a little bit quiet. Yeah. But, yeah, probably just either sitting out in the garden or just in my bedroom, just, yeah, just somewhere quiet. Yeah, especially when in you've the got sun. kids. Yeah. <laughs> 
somewhere they can't find you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Third question. Do yeah. you have a book you disliked so much you couldn't finish? I can't think of any that I've really disliked that much, that intensely. No. Oh, that's great. I finish. I feel like I put books down all the time, so you're doing much better than I am. No. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm good at, like, quickly read, like, quickly skimming a book first. Like, mm. you, know, you know, working in libraries, you... you just constantly seeing new things coming through and, and I've got an eye for what I think I might be interested in yep but then I'll do a little yeah that first page is always important yeah. to know whether it's going to hook you in yep because you want your attention to be really grabbed so I do a quick skim of that first page and I think if that voice isn't quite gelling for me then I'll put it down straight away and probably won't even give it a shot so yeah it, it's got to grab me because time is you know precious and you yeah. want to spend if you want to spend it in this world of the book it's got to it's got to gel with you so I'm getting pretty good at judging is that going to be one that I'm going to really gel with so yeah that's great yeah, yeah. we see you do that is one of the lovely things about working in the library especially mm. if you're ever out in the returns room you're seeing all the books that mm. are coming through that people from all around the state have borrowed so yeah. I'm constantly like flicking through them and my problem at the moment is I have such a big to-be-read pile that I'll kind of go, that first chapter was pretty good, but I'm just going to see what this one over here has. Mm. So I sort of end up with piles of unread books yeah. scattered around the place. So yeah, That's my yeah. problem at the moment. But our fourth question for you, yeah. do you have a favourite genre? Oh, I do like, as I've got older, I think I do like to read stories that feel quite real so with the books that I've mentioned even if they're not totally like with Jack of course it's his real story it's about him and learning about him learning about stories of people that don't often get their voices Mm. heard I just find that really important so I really connect with that but also fiction that feels like you can totally imagine it so those that sort of would be the genre that I'm interested in a lot and yeah the, the the opportunity to read Mame was amazing, so yeah, yeah really I really enjoyed enjoy that too. Yeah, it's a great one. But our final question for you mm-hmm. is: Is there an author you'd like to grab a drink with? Oh, there's so many. It's probably it might be it might be someone like Hannah Kent, to be honest. Yeah, yep. Because yeah, growing up in Adelaide, being I have not actually met her before, but we're both fellow creatives and different areas so yeah. mine mine is more in the children's publishing area and hers is is quite different but I think I would be very interested to chat with her about her journey with becoming an author and that experience of traveling to Iceland and yeah just the the depth of her work is amazing so I really enjoy reading her work yeah she's excellent that's a great choice mm. okay So thank you so much for that. And so all of Sasha's tips will be up on the website. So you'll be able to browse those and borrow them or place them on hold, however you like. But one of the other reasons we're very excited to have Sasha with us today is Sasha is one of the brains behind an exciting new festival for libraries called Lit for Life. Sasha was pivotal to the development of this new festival, which will be kicking off later on this month. So Sasha... Would you mind having a bit of a chat to us about Lit for Life, what it is, sure. how it came about and how people can get involved? Yeah, look, I'm really passionate about this this festival that's coming up. It's about connecting community to libraries and maybe people that haven't been to libraries for a while. It's about acknowledging, yeah, it's how amazing um, books are and bringing books to life and that there are more ways of experiencing books than simply by reading, but... As we know, we have some great theatre companies, great orchestral companies as well. We've got the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra performing as part of this. And the the idea came that it was about trying to provide a an opportunity for community to experience books and that joy of books through a different way. So we know that in Adelaide we have Windmill Theatre Company, who's internationally recognised, Patch mm. Theatre Company, Adelaide Symphony Orchestra. All of them have already been creating amazing works bringing books to life so Grug you know fantastic character so we're going to be offering Grug and the Rainbow performances with the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra they've created recently a work called In This Place which is based on Phil Cummings picture books and Phil Cummings is an amazing ambassador for literacy and just a just a great guy you know written many books over the years and so a score has been written locally by an Adelaide composer and yeah, with Patch, we've got Sea of Light, so kids having an opportunity to draw their own stories, write their own stories with light, fluorescent lights, and then they're also offering a smaller performance as well as part of this festival, 
where we've got an actor, Stephen, who's going to be delivering a a shorter performance, Once Upon a Jar, where children will be able to contribute to creating a story with him. And this is not just happening within libraries, but it's happening in community spaces so that where there'll be a pop-up library attached. And the idea is that the ticket is a library card membership. And so to sign up for the library, that's your ticket to come and experience a book coming to life in, a, in an amazing way, all for free as well. So that's what the, the grant funding from the Libraries Board of South Australia has supported. So very exciting. It's happening across six councils, City of Charles Sturt, City of Marion, City of Holfast Bay, City of Prospect. Where else have we got? City of Port Adelaide Enfield. I can't forget my friends there. And City of Salisbury. That's happening from the end of April, so it's sort of kicking off during the school holidays in April and it's going through till June, so lots of opportunities. To be honest, when the when it first launched back in February, as soon as the Eventbrite went live, we had like full bookings from yeah. our public bookings, but at each of our libraries as well, an important part of this project is to engage with people who are not already signed up for libraries because... We want to try and connect with people who've, who've not yet experienced this. It's very important. Libraries are a lifelong opportunity for families to, to learn, for children to learn, to connect with each other, to come and experience. You know, you, you can anyone can come and enjoy being in a library and we want to make sure that everyone knows that, yeah, libraries are, are amazing places just for everybody to come and enjoy. So very excited. Yeah, this is an amazing program and... I know you've all been working so incredibly hard on it and the response from the public, both from existing members and non-existing members, has been so positive. So I think this is kind of like a, a sign of what libraries can do to kind of offer new experiences to the community in a really democratic way. So anyone mm. can come along. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your levels of literacy are, anything. Just come along and mm. the library is like a portal to a whole bunch of new experiences, new opportunities for learning and new opportunities for bonding with your kids, yes. for your kids to meet other kids yeah. and to create a sense of place for kids as well, a kind of mm. connection to the library that hopefully will serve them and their parents and mm. you as a family for across the course of your your life so absolutely it's a really amazing program yeah and the other aspect of it that is also wonderful is that it's going to also give people the opportunity to attend theatre and music performances that may not have done that before Mm. and also not just in the centre of Adelaide but out in the community where people can actually walk to their local community centre or recreation centre. We're having the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra at the St Clair Recreation Centre on the basketball courts in there, 800 tickets. You know, it's just amazing. So people who know their their local rec centre as something Mm. different, they can go, oh, I could see an orchestra in there. That's that's pretty amazing. And it just makes it a lot more accessible. So that's really important for the project as well. And it also after COVID, like recognising that a lot of our local arts organisations have really had a big massive impact from from that Mm. this is also about bringing back and offering experiences for children who may not have had that opportunity to to come out and see a lot of these things before and it's also getting very expensive to be able to afford to go to a lot of performances and, and different things so it also is making it affordable for people to you know, have that really important first art experience. Yeah, for sure. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and occasionally you do look at things and think, oh, should we take them there? And it's so expensive that sometimes you think, well, are they going to sit still for it? Mm -hmm. Are they going to engage with it? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be worth it? So having this kind of the library offer a free opportunity to see how your child will go, see how you as a family will kind of enjoy it is really wonderful. And taking my four-year-old to go see Grug, yes. he's really, really excited. He's oh. been telling everyone that he's going to see Grug in real life. Grug is going to come to life. He's still like, I don't think he's quite, he's trying to figure out how that's going to happen. Yeah. Like we've been reading some of the Grug books at home when he kind of remembers that it's happening and he's like, but how does Grug come to life? Because in the book, Grug kind of like starts off as a tree and then turns into Grug and he's like, is that what's going to happen? Is he going to like off as a tree again so he's already starting to imagine for himself how this story oh. might be told on stage oh, so wow. it's a really fun yeah a really fun kind of experience for him he's sort of anticipating it and trying to figure out how it's going to work and so it's really nice to be able to talk to him then about stories and plays and different ways of telling stories so even just the lead up is a nice way of chatting to your kids about books and learning and stuff so he's 
really stoked. He's bewildered and stoked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Like, it, there's so many ways of sharing stories and, yeah, it's imagining from the page to, you know, a performance right in front of your eyes and, yeah, that real physical connection as well. So it's not on a screen, you know. You're right up there and you're seeing actors and you're seeing puppets and you're seeing, you're hearing a real, you know, trombone playing yeah. like right in front of your eyes. It's quite magical, so... Yeah. yeah, we're really excited. We can't wait to see how he's going to go. He's, like, <laughs> he's very stoked. Fantastic. So congratulations on, on getting that off the ground. It's, I know it's been heaps of work for everybody, mm, but like, I think everyone's just so excited to, yeah. to see it. All right, Sasha, should we do it? Should we talk about my mate? Yeah, that All sounds right. great. So I'm just going to do a quick introduction. So our novel for this month is a novel by Jessica George, who I believe is a 28-year-old woman from London. Mm. This is her debut novel, and it's called Mamay. And I'll give you a quick, quickly read the blurb. So here we go. Mamay has many meanings in Twee, but in my case, it means woman. Meet Maddie Wright. All her life, she's been told who she is. To her Ghanaian parents, she's Mamay, the one who takes care of the family. Her mum's stand-in, her dad's carer. The one who keeps the peace and the secrets. But it's time for her to speak up. When she finally gets the chance to leave home, Maddie is determined to become the woman she wants to be. One who wears a bright yellow suit, stands up to her boss and dates men who definitely aren't on her mum's list of prospective husbands. Someone who doesn't have to Google all of her life choices. But when tragedy strikes, Maddie is forced to face the risks and rewards of putting her heart on the line. Will it take losing everything to find her voice? So despite writing five novels Prior to this one, this is the first novel Jessica George got published. It caused an eight-way auction in 2021, which I think is almost unheard of. There is now a TV series in development. She's still in her late 20s, but she's worked as a bookseller, a publishing assistant and in theatre in London. This has been an incredibly popular book. We know Mm. that some of the book subscription services locally are distributing it as well. So what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I really did. As you might know, you gave me a selection of different books to choose from and this one just really jumped out at me. Again, I just really loved the I love the first person narrative. I love mm. the honesty of her discovering what her world could be beyond the role that she had been you know, life had determined for her and that she was the, the the care of her father and just that opening up of her world more and more. And also then, I guess, that guilt that she did feel Mm. for having a life of her own and sort of struggling with that a little bit as well as a young woman. I love the style of her writing and I love that you were right in in her mind about every new experience that she was having. And also, I loved that it was so, it's so modern, it's so like there was things where she's questioning whether she should wear a certain outfit or whatever for a certain experience. And so she'd be Googling it to go, so what do I do here? Or mm. if, a, if a, a guy was asking her, asking or, or, you know, showing her a lot of attention, like she's just Googling things to work out, is this like, what what's this mean? Or, you know, what happens if your boss, you know, steals your ideas or whatever mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. So she's sort of asking all these questions and, you know, a lot of also referencing, is this happening because I'm of an African descent and is this is this okay or not, you know, there were so many questions and I just really found her style so enjoyable, so, yeah, believable and just you you were walking in her skin kind of thing through the book. So, yeah, really well, really well written for your first novel. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one too. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. I thought, so it kind of starts off with Mamey. She's living at home with her father. Her Mm -hmm. father's got Parkinson's. Her mum is effectively living in Ghana and has been pretty much since Mamey was off since Maddie was about 12 or 15 I mm. think on and off since around then her brother has effectively kind of left home he's been living with friends so she's really just been at home since she was a teenager mm. caring for her father mm. you know cooking food making sure her father's carer comes in time yeah she works a series of minimum wage jobs where yeah. she you know, is really frugal because she's constantly sending money back to her mum in Ghana mm. or helping out when expenses come up from her father. So she's had this extraordinary amount of responsibility placed on her shoulders from a really young age. Yeah. So in some ways she is incredibly adult. But in other ways, because she's been stuck at home with her dad for so long, yeah. she's incredibly... Naive to the Naive, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
she, you know, she's never lived out of home. She hasn't had a boyfriend. She's a virgin. She doesn't go out socialising or drinking. There are these kind of poignant moments when she's walking home from work and she knows some of her workmates are heading out for a drink. And she's sort of walking through central London and seeing all these young people Mm. kind of out and about doing things. And she feels so cut off from it because she has to go home and care for her father. But she Mm. also doesn't want to tell anybody that's what she's doing. So Mm. she's sort of mysterious to her workmates as well who either think that she's either quite conservative or a bit boring. But inside we know she has this like great inner life. She's funny. She's curious. She wants to get out there and start living her life. But she has this responsibility that's just been placed on her shoulders but I really liked just eventually she is able to to kind of move out of home and Mm. how did you find it once she moves into her first flat share how did you how did you find the story it really took off for me from there it really did it was interesting you know she's looking at the the women that she's sharing with and she's trying to understand how she fits with that. It was was really interesting when she took on her own life. She's so kind of wildly endearing. Like she does these yeah. things. She's like, right, I'm going to be independent. How am I going to do it? I'm going to buy a yellow suit. And then she's like, will I have anywhere to wear this yellow suit too? She's just sort of, yeah. you know, she really wants to throw herself out there, but she's just not quite sure how to do it yet, which I found really, yeah, just really yeah. charming. Yeah, I, I love that she had, she didn't have any of the answers and no. she was just willing to give it a give it a go, anything that came her way and, yeah, why not? Why shouldn't I do that? Now's my time. This is what I've always wanted so why don't I go and do this thing? Yeah, because when yeah. I think it first started, I think I found her slightly passive. So mm. at the beginning of the novel, I couldn't quite understand why she couldn't say to a workmate, hey, I'd love to come but, you know, mm. Dad's got Parkinson's or something. So mm. she talks about as a child growing up with a sense of having to protect the family by oh, yes. keeping secrets. And essentially yeah. I think really that kind of means keeping her mum's secret. Mm-hmm. So her mum's secret is that she's essentially left the family and gone back to Ghana. So mm. this kind of burden is placed on Maddie to essentially protect her mum, which means mm. that she can't actually ask for any support herself. She can't mm. tell her workmates that, you know, I'm 25, but I'm also a carer for my father. Yeah. I work full time, but, you know, and then I go home and, you know, she does this thing. She is putting her dad in bed mm. one night and she throws her back out. And because she can't tell anybody about it, she's Googling, like, yeah. what do you do if you're in your mid-20s and you've busted your back? Yeah. And she goes yeah. to the doctor eventually. And she can't, she doesn't even tell the doctor that the reason she has hurt her back is because she's caring for her father. Mm. So at first I was like, I found incredibly sympathetic towards her, but mm. also found it quite passive. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not sure how this, how gonna this go. is going to go. Yeah. That secret keeping was an important thread through the whole book, wasn't mm. it? And then, yeah, her also realising more and more about her mum's secret life of, yeah. of um, having another relationship, obviously, at the end that she discovers. And her brother's certainly very absent in the picture mm. and not offering that support. So she really does have a lot to carry. I found I wanted to strangle her brother. There's one oh, God, um, yeah. time she talks to him on the phone and I, I can't remember, they need money for something mm. and she's asking him to pay his share. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, sorry, you'll have to do it. And mm. he's just so like, I love you, but no, I'm not going to help you. Yeah. Or, and I just felt so kind of frustrated for her. I wanted her yeah. just to like just lose it at him, which eventually yeah. there's this really cathartic moment in the novel where she stands up to both yeah. her mum and her brother yeah. and it's like this real like fist in the air kind yeah. of moment that felt I really I love that. It yeah, was really powerful. me too. It was really powerful. She reclaimed herself there to say, this is what I've been putting up with and, you know, I don't want to put up with this anymore. This is just ridiculous. So much was put on her and so much opting out was happening from both of them. Mm. Yeah, who could only really kind of abandon those responsibilities because mm. she was there and yeah. she'd never really had a choice about that. She was a kid. So yeah. there is this kind of thing about the way children get turned into adults and they mm-hmm. get given responsibilities about beyond their years yeah. and she kind of talks about that you know she never really had a childhood no. in a way no so when she does eventually her mum comes back from Ghana and yeah. agrees to look after the father for a year yeah so Maddie can move out of home and she moves in with two other young women who are very kind of different so one is very gregarious she goes out on lots of dates she's always out partying the other one is a little bit crankier, has a really dry sense of humour. It feels They feel like very modern characters. They feel like young women in their 20s. They totally do. They, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It, you could just imagine it, really. And they vibed off each other really well because they, they were all so different. 
They did. I thought they like the way they kind of like dragged her out of her bedroom and get her out and about in London. Like just even the thing of like going to a trendy pizza place is really mm. exciting for Maddie. Mm. Or she goes to a bar and ends up, I think, getting stoned on uh, hash cookies or something like yeah, that. And there's yeah. something so just kind of charming and yeah. free about it all. Yeah. He's just having such a an amazing time. She goes on her first date and she has a, a relationship with, a, or kind of a secret relationship with a man called Ben. So mm. how did you, what did you make of her first relationship yeah, there? And the way that, was, that was it? really interesting because she was wondering why the first date was going to happen at his house because she thought, is this is this okay? Like, you know, shouldn't it be out in a public place somewhere? Or is this bit, but then... The, it takes the, her back other, to his yeah. swanky apartment. Yeah, and she, she goes back there and he cooks her a lovely meal and all of the rest of it. And she thought this was pretty, pretty good. But it was... A bit strange. And I was thinking, mm. what's going on here? As well, I was wondering as well. And then I don't know if I want to give away any spoilers, but we do give away spoilers on give on away this spoilers. One, yes. So she she does discover that at an event that he does actually have another relationship going, and then it comes to her realizing through chatting with her friends that the reason that he was keeping her sort of secret is from that I guess that that racist kind of side of side of the thing where yeah he's not proud to be able to show mm. her um but the other person was Anglo and he was quite happy to have her you know seen be seen out in public with, and he was quite swanky and he was quite well to do in his work as well so mm. he was a bit shocked when she rocked up at an event that he'd invited her to and then wasn't actually expecting that she would come, but then she did, and he was already there with his other flame, and yeah. um, the other flame was horrible. Yep. <laughs> and actually didn't appreciate who, you know, that there was a realisation there, and that, that was quite a moment of understanding what was going on fully there as well. Yeah, I really felt for her. Like, she has this... Yeah. So she's never had a relationship before. No. She's never had a sexual relationship before. So she heads off... And this guy is so... Seemingly so charming. Like, I yeah. think if you're in your 20s and you, he's meant to be in, you think, in his late 30s and yeah. he's got this swanky house and he cooks yeah. his swanky food mm-hmm. and... He seems funny and handsome. So she's initially really excited about this, but she yeah. does think there's something odd. We keep meeting in private, private like places. what's going on? Yeah. Until she realises he has this other relationship. But mm. that kind of leads to a conversation with her friends that I found really interesting where mm. they talk about how it's not just that he had another relationship, but mm. like if you're a black woman, what you might look for in a relationship with a white man. So is it just enough that a white man would introduce you to his friends and family or they have a mm-hmm. conversation about the need for him to be an active anti-racist. So what yeah, might a good right. relationship look like if you're a young black woman mm-hmm. having a relationship with a white man? What might a really good model of a relationship yeah, be? Yeah, that's what I love reading. Yeah. Because like, they were saying that really he needs to be advocating for you and doing more than just, you know tolerating in yeah. a way but actually being very visible and speaking up absolutely and the kind of the talking about that the privacy he also sort of makes a fetish of her being mm. an innocent so mm-hmm. he repeatedly kind of tells her you're so innocent you're so, mm-hmm. you know like there's this real sense of this man kind of taking advantage yeah. of this naive yeah. young woman but i loved the way because so often she is so isolated that she googles things yeah this is one of the, like the conversations that she has with friends that is actually really meaningful. Mm-hmm. So one of those first things where she's not actually Googling something, she's mm. actually talking to other people her own age who've got more experience and kind of really opening up to them. This is one of the first things she really does kind of open up to friends about and say, this right. happened and yeah. he has another girlfriend. She also sleeps with him for the first... He's the first person she has sex with and yeah. it's not a good experience for her, but no. being it's her first time, she's got very little gauge for like what should it be like is yeah. this fine is there something wrong with me so yeah. talking to her friends as well like finding out that like no he's crap like yeah. <laughs> that is not what it should have been like yeah. for her and what her experiences should have been like so i really liked that that's the beginning of her right. it's a her crap trust. experience for her but yeah her trust with her with revealing herself and and chatting yeah normally with other other friends her own age instead of just living in that in, internal world which i think she had been living in so yeah. you're right that's kind of when it all opened up that she could share herself a bit more and chat about more personal things yeah, yeah i really loved that bit and it i did too starts to come i think one of the 
We should mention that. So one of the things that happened, so Mamey, she, mm. or Maddie, sorry, she's out and about in the world being young and then something terrible happens, mm. which is that her father dies on mm. his birthday and he dies alone mm-hmm. in his home. The mother, so Maddie's mother, who is acting as his carer at the time, isn't at home. We later find out she's sort of meeting with her partner mm-hmm. and Maddie, because she's been on a bender the night before, has mm. a horrific hangover and mm. sleeps in. Mm. So she never actually gets to say goodbye to her father. So she mm. has this tremendous crushing guilt for having abandoned her. She feels like she's abandoned her yeah. father. Yeah. So the second half of the novel is really kind of about how she comes to terms with her grief and the way that makes her kind of crack open as a person but mm-hmm. also opens up what's been going on in their family yeah, and leads them to actually start to have some really honest conversations about what's actually been going underneath the surface of their family for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. How did you find – I thought its treatment of grief mm-hmm. was um, really, really good. I, I did too. Mm. I did too. And it was handled really well. It exposed what mm. the grief does and that whole – reshaping of the whole identity comes through as part of grief. The workplace gave her a lot of time to resolve that and recognise that and gave her that support. And then through that, with the chats with the counsellor, and then you could sort of see her response and her processing through that time. That was that was really interesting as well. It was very good. Yeah, mm. the whole you can see the many different emotions that you experience by reading this book because takes you into really fun playful spaces it takes you into really dark and personal spaces but the voice is really authentic and true and I think that's what makes the book just so enjoyable to to read Mm. yeah yeah I agree like even when even when she's talking about grief which Mm. could be this really heavy thing she still has moments where Mm. it's funny and the writing doesn't stay static either like she's growing and developing in some kind of depictions of grief and this is probably because grief can feel like this. It feels that someone is just stuck in this one space. No. But what she's kind of doing a lot of the time, she's starting to kind of reach out. It's so almost, it cracks her open. It really it, does, and it, yeah. It, and then you start to see that internal person even more. And it almost that strength comes in that because she, it gives her that reason to expose to then her family that she's sort of been protecting. Mm. That this is who I am, you know. This, yeah. is, this is who I am and this is why I am you know, this is what I've missed out on and this is what you've done to stop me and trap me into this space and, yeah. and now this is what I need to do. Absolutely. And I yeah. think it gives her, she reaches out to two school friends that she's known for a long time mm. but they're also from diverse backgrounds and have kept some secrets about their own families too. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. though the three of them have known each other for a really long time, there's always been these things in their friendships that they didn't talk about. Yeah. And the death of Maddie's dad kind of brings the three of them all together. They all start sharing about some of the burdens they've felt in their own life, Mm -hmm. their experiences with their families, with their family's expectations. And Mm. it gives you this sense that her relationship with her biological family may always be a fraught one. Yeah. But it does give you this sense that she's kind of creating a new sense of family with these friends by finally being able to kind of open up and talk to them about what's going on. That gives them the opportunity to kind of open up that they've kind of finding a new space or a new way of being friends that I found really, I guess I'm, in, I'm 40, so I'm a lot older, but kind of looking back on these 25-year-olds, mm. it had that real sense of like getting your life together in a yeah. way, like of really kind of this traumatic thing happening when you're young, but you start building the life that you kind of want in the wake of it. And yeah. it feels like that's what she's starting to do. It really does. And it was positive as well that, you know, she was really concerned about not having been there for her dad. But in the end, you know, she she finds out that her dad wanted to give her lots to support her in her life mm. and loved her and heard through the carer that how much that he valued her and loved her. And that was that was really important for her as well to come to terms with that too. Yeah, I think because of that burden that had been placed on her for so long, mm. she sort of had this feeling of, on the one hand, she was so responsible for his care, but Parkinson was also, even before he died, kind of causing a sort of, not a rift isn't the right word, but distancing him from her. Like mm-hmm. she talked about even growing up, he was a man who didn't chat much. He kind of yeah. like worked and watched footy. And yeah. That was kind of what he did, like probably many people's dads. Mm. And then with Parkinson, he gets 
seemingly further and further away. He doesn't always recognise her. Mm-hmm. She feels like he is kind of forgetting forgetting her in a way. So mm-hmm. it's actually after his death that she realises just how important he was, mm-hmm. she was to him, how mm-hmm. much he loved her, mm-hmm. and that her years of kind of investing in him and caring for him weren't for naught, that no. she had really had this huge impact on his life and that he was so kind of proud of her and grateful to her and that his family were as well that she feels invisible in a way but Mm. getting his extended family together her aunts and uncles who've Mm. kind of seen the way that she's Mm. cared for him Mm -hmm. that that I found really kind of moving as well and Mm. it seems that it kind of connects her to her culture in a positive way so I think her relationship to her Ghanaian roots is Mm. quite fraught in the book and so I think there's sort of a time when on the one hand this taking on a, a kind of a female care giving role from a young age it seems mm. to be connected to her mother's expectations of what's okay mm-hmm. for a girl because mm-hmm. her mother has performed those sorts of roles yeah. as well she sometimes feels disconnected from her culture though because she's not fluent mm. in the Ghanaian languages mm-hmm. that her family speak so she has this really tense relationship sometimes but I think after at the funeral mm. she realizes she starts learning a couple of the different languages and trying to communicate and trying to build links and she kind of realizes that the extended family are kind of full of admiration for her too. So it feels like there's this really nice sense of a whole bunch of threads coming together in a way that will serve her well for her future, Mm. I thought. And it was also really great at the end where her mum does start to actually own and recognise some stuff. Her mum's quite the character. Her mum is quite the character and is quite quick to fob things off and flip things off. But at the end, she does acknowledge that she has placed on Mame what's what happened to her, I guess, in mm. some ways, yeah. How did you feel about the treatment of the mum? So I've read a few reviews online that right. sort of claim that the book is a bit too sympathetic to the mum or a bit too understanding of the mother. How did you feel? Did you feel like it was so- too soft on her or fair? I think... The main thing was that through reading the book, the most powerful and strongest focus for your reading was was that Mame was the main the main deal, mm. and so circling around that, you know, the mum's behaviour was impacting. You could see that that was impacting on who she was becoming and what her life had been. But I think she was she was written in a in a fine enough way. Mm. I sort of found that as well. I sort of found that we kind of understand why she's been the mother she has. We mm-hmm. understand that she has those regrets, but I think there are no perfect no. people or perfect characters. No. And like you, I sort of felt like she's a frustrating person, but she's in her own way, she has taken. She's starting to take some responsibility. Mm. She finds out that Maddie is seeing a counsellor and mm. she's quite supportive. She's surprisingly supportive given yeah. that she was the woman who was constantly like, no talking. No you talking, know. keep it all this secret. This is just, you know, if you're struggling, go to church or something yeah. like that or talk to your mum. Yeah. But no going to outsiders, especially not white people or doctors no. or no. anything like that. So she's quite supportive yeah. of Mamey yeah. seeing a counsellor yep. and does take some responsibility. So I sort of thought mm. it was a situation of like... You know, there are no perfect people no. and it was people make mistakes and she's just, she's human. Yeah, it was just a different, you know, you could see it's a different relationship, but that's what it was trying to say. This is a different relationship. These are the circumstances that these people find themselves in and this is how she's connecting and relating. Yeah, absolutely. How did you find the depiction of the publishing world? That was interesting yeah. as well. <laughs> she obviously had a lot of talent and a lot of great ideas and she was recognising that, you know, she was going to be starting off making the tea and, mm. and you know, she was contributing these wonderful ideas. Then she'd sort of see them happening. And that was also recognition for her as well. Like, this is not where I want to be. Like, I want to be yeah. in the room. I want to be noticed. And, yeah, it was very white dominated. And you, you could really feel that was affecting her from being able to progress and contribute and be seen. And... She had the most awesome ideas that mm. were being coming through, but personalities of all the different people in the workplace there. I know. Golly. It was, I sort of, I wasn't quite sure what I made of it. So we know that Maddie starts off working as an admin assistant at a theatre company. Yeah, that's She's right. She's employed at the theatre company mm-hmm. partly through a diversity scheme to encourage more people mm. from black and minority ethnic backgrounds to work in the arts in mm-hmm. London. And she gets that, and she is essentially becomes the kind of whipping girl for mm. her her boss. So yeah. her boss is a white woman who 
is struggling with her own kind of mental health yeah. but won't take a break or can't no. feel she can't take a break but essentially takes out all of her anxiety stress on Maddie who yeah. is kind of like her personal assistant mm. so she fires her in this incredibly unfair way everyone yeah. in the workplace knows it's really unfair yeah. knows it shouldn't have happened but does nothing to yeah. protect her mm. and she sort of feels her only kind of option is she sends like a strongly worded message to HR mm. and it gets no reply from mm. them so they kind of know that you know there's this young black mm. woman who's been treated really appallingly by this older kind of white woman and they're mm. like well just ignore it's it. about power i guess like yeah. you you're this admin assistant who just doesn't have the power everyone knows it's wrong but mm. there's nothing there's yeah. nothing we're going to do to back you so then she finds she starts working in publishing and this is partly a step for mm. her of recognizing she loves stories she loves writing she mm. writes herself and she wants this is something that she wants so mm. she's actually thinking it's not just a job it's something that she really wants so she gets there and the initial interview is really positive they talk about opportunities for mm -hmm. doing editorial work for mm. learning so she feels like all right i'm going to get out of this like admin minimum wage mm. i'm going to start building a career but kind of yes and yeah no she still hits a hits barriers yeah she very does quick, very quickly and i think it kind of talks about the way you know a lot of the kind of white characters in the book kind of pat themselves on the back yeah. for you know giving this young black woman an entry-level role but on the other hand you're sort of like well she's got this like incredible degree yeah. in english she's That's incredibly right. smart she's bringing you all of these amazing ideas you're not actually acknowledging them so it's kind of gives you that sense of how hard you need to work it's almost like she's she is being seen. People know her ideas are amazing. Mm. They're just they're just not. It's easier to dismiss her in a mm -hmm. way. Like it just makes it that little bit easier to kind of shove the admin work her way and she's not still really invisible. She's yeah. still invisible. Yeah. Yeah. In in both of those positions, she still had a sense of invisibility and that living that internal world. You know, dealing with that, like not with any support, like just having to just deal with it yeah, yeah that's really horrible and that's one of the things where she's googling like what do you yeah. do if your boss takes your ideas or yeah. what do you do if you know you you're not getting credited at work and mm. there was that sense as well of like when you don't have she was isolated yeah her isolation mm. of not having anyone else with a similar experience in a workplace you can talk to or other people in the industry that you can reach out to to be mentors yeah. or to talk to are feeling completely alone and weirdly enough it feels like her grief is another one of the things that gives her this like there's nothing to lose so she starts mm. standing up for herself and becoming more assertive at work but that's kind mm. of like in this fog of grief that, yeah. <laughs> that she does that really which is not a winning strategy <laughs> in general for, yeah. for most people yeah but did you feel kind of positive about where her career might go at the end of this one or i think so because she you know spoke up and yeah i think obviously it's not going to change everything but Definitely was more positive than at the start. Yeah. But it started, it's just the process of her growing as a person yeah. as well. I sort of loved that from being so, seeming so passive at the start, mm. that she actually, at the end of the novel, has become quite an assertive yeah. person. Yeah. And that she keeps pushing herself, like she keeps striving to build a life that she wants. Yeah. So I found that like a really, um, it just gave the book such a sense of momentum in her relationships with friends. Yeah. In she her really relationships grew. With, yeah, she really did. She yeah. grew in all parts of her strength and her being just through what she went through and all the different experiences that she allowed herself to have. Absolutely. She was really open to whatever was coming and she looked at things critically and that's what made it interesting as well. Yeah. She'd she question everything like, hmm. And she's brave. I think that that's the thing I like. Like she very brave. She knows she's shy. She knows she's inexperienced. But she's like, well, the only way it's going to happen is if I just go out and yeah. and do it. So she actually does. And it feels like maybe lots of coming of age books, particularly for young women, might focus mm. on a romantic relationship. Or no. mostly, it's romantic mm. relationships, mm. to be honest. But what was great about this is it kind of looked at all facets of her life yep. from her relationships with her friends, yep. her family, her cultural her identity. cultural identity at work yep. and showed her pushing on all those fronts to make a life that she wants for herself. Mm. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, Excellent. So it sounds like it's a thumbs up from the pair of us. Definitely. I really enjoyed this. I'm really glad that you picked this one. I mm. sort of, I did send Sasha a list that had three or four books on it, yep. but this was the one I was kind of hoping you'd pick. Oh, so I'm, glad. <laughs> I'm really glad you did. Oh, thank you. Cool. So this is Mame by Jessica George and it is available in the collection and we'll be popping it up on the website too so you can read more about it there excellent 
So now, Sasha, this is the part of the podcast where we talk a little bit about what we've been reading recently, anything we're excited about reading, if we've been in a reading slump. So yeah, have you anything recently you've been reading that has gotten you excited or, or anything you're looking forward to reading that's on your to-be-read pile? I have been incredibly busy. So, yeah, um, you've got yeah. a lot on your plate yeah, recently. Yeah, so I just keep looking at what's coming through and what people are, what people are reading in our returns area. Mm. I go, oh, what's that, you know, or on our new book displays. But I haven't got anything in particular at the moment. Yeah, you've had a lot on your plate yeah. for the last little while. <laughs> I evidently have had not so much on my plate. <laughs> so after a bit of a reading slump, I've had a really good run recently so there's a few that I've read that I would definitely recommend to any of the listeners but probably the best thing I've read recently is a book called Bad Art Mother by Edwina Preston mm-hmm. so this is on the long list for the Stella um, mm-hmm. which is how I found out about it it's so good it's set in Melbourne kind of I think sort of probably from about the 60s on to the 90s yeah. it's told largely from the point of view of a boy called Owen yeah. whose mum was a poet and she was married to his her father was a kind of restauranteur, yeah, I guess. But yeah. it's kind of set in Melbourne's, I guess, the bohemian Melbourne of the post-war period yeah. where kind of poets and artists are kind of mingling, where people from, you know, migrant backgrounds are bringing in new art traditions. There's arguments about traditions. There's new journals starting up. There's you know, new, new types of restaurants starting up. And it's sort of based in... I guess lots of the kind of multi-ethnic neighbourhoods like places like Richmond and Coburg where I kind of grew up. So, And it's essentially Owen's relationship with his mum. His mum is, I guess like the title implies, she's really struggling as a mum. So she agrees. There's a wealthy family who can't have children. They're, the man is a, a poet and the wife is initially presented as just a housewife and they agree to take Owen on or they'd like to take Owen on on the weekends and be kind of like his patron so that she has time to write so she kind of signs him up for that so that she gets a little bit of extra time to write her husband's also a workaholic setting up these restaurants and these sort of art spaces that he starts setting up and it's kind of about Owen's life bouncing around these bohemian kind of circles in Melbourne at the time but the book is so good at talking sympathetically about imperfect women during this time. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of like a character study of Owen's mother, yeah. of an Italian artist that feels maybe loosely based on Merca Mora, the, mm-hmm. the painter, yeah. of the woman who's described as like just a housewife who is really into Ikebana, the Japanese flower oh, arrangements, beautiful. and a fourth woman who is sort of around the art scene as an art dealer, various kind of booksellers. And it kind of looks really sympathetically at how hard they had to work to get their art up and running, yeah. how many compromises they had to make about yeah. like the what they could publish, what they how they were kind of forced to create art that responded to a particular moment that you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have the freedom to just do whatever you like. Yeah. You work, if you can get to work, in a very constrained environment and how difficult it is when you don't have a sense of community around you, when there isn't a community of other female artists that you mm. can talk to or have relationships with and, and all the different ways women are trying to find opportunities to be creative during this period, which in some ways is really fertile, Mm. but you don't get access to those opportunities in the same way. So Mm. it's really, really good. It's so well written. It's like kind of feels like a page turner about something that you don't normally associate with page turning novels. There's a lot of it's from Owen's perspective, but then there's also chapters where his mother is writing to her sister about what her life is like. And she's very, very funny. She's on the one hand, like she's really loving of Owen, but she's really honest about how frustrating parenthood can be sometimes and about her own weaknesses. She's an alcoholic as well. But she's very, very funny about the various characters in the art scene she comes across as well. He also spends lots of time with his aunt, who is a nurse working in Richmond. So there's lots about kind of working class migrant female life at the time as well. So it's so good. I've rabbited on and I'm probably not going to mention any of the other books I've read, but I really loved this one. So if anyone is looking for something great, I really hope it ends up on the shortlist for the Stella. I really hope it wins. It's so good. So that's my top tip at the moment. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's so good. I I had seen it come in and I'm going to confess that I didn't love the title and I didn't love the cover. Mm. And so I had kind of written it off Mm. and... I'm so glad that um, I read this review and went back to it. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I feel like maybe the way it's visually presented doesn't quite 
represent what the novel mm-hmm. is. But yeah, so I guess it's an interesting one for talking about like covers yeah. and art design. And yeah. Yeah, I think the cover had really put me off. Which is a very shallow thing. Even librarians no, are like, no. <laughs> we know how important visual stuff is. But yeah, yeah it's an excellent, excellent novel. And Fantastic. A big thumbs up. We might do some new releases and industry news. So yeah. if there's anything you wanted to announce from Charles Sturt or... So at, at Charles Sturt, we've got some quite exciting events coming up. We've got an author talk with Victoria Perman, A Woman's Work, coming up on Saturday the April 29th at 11 o'clock at Natunga Westlakes. So get on to Eventbrite and book in for that one. For History Month, we also have some really great events happening as well. So again, look at the Charles Sturt Eventbrite page and you'll see there's an abundance of great history events. So yeah, definitely check that out. Excellent. Cool. So coming out in April, we have The Bookbinder of Jericho by Pitt Williams, which I think was actually launched on Monday. Oh, fantastic. So this is the sequel to her best-selling Dictionary of Lost Words. And for anyone who is interested and would like to hear Pip talk about it a little bit more, she'll be appearing in conversation with Ali Clark at the Domain Theatre on Tuesday the 11th of July. So we'll be going up on our event bright shortly. So we'd encourage you to come along and hear her talk a little bit more about her process for writing that one. Another new release coming out this month that sounds really good is by another Australian author, Ashley Callaghan Blunt. It's called Dark Mode. I've seen this getting lots of really good reviews. It's a psychological thriller based on truth, so true story. And it's a story about the dark web of the internet and how privacy can be abused. So, yeah, getting really good reviews, really positive, and another local or Australian author. So that sounds really good. And this one, I think, sounds like my pick of the bunch for the month. It's called Love and Autism by Kay Kerr, and it's out through Pan Macmillan. And it says here, through the intimate writing of critically acclaimed autistic author Kay Kerr, Love and Autism presents an uplifting celebration of neurodivergent love, the search for it, and a deeper look into the lives of autistic Australians. Oh, that so this sounds fantastic. really good. Yeah, the reviews have been so positive, and it sounds funny and moving and just really kind of necessary just to actually yeah. find out a little bit more about people's lives and intimate lives so it sounds really good so we're very much looking forward to that one exciting that times be, yeah for sure so that will be in the collection all around the shops very soon so that is it for this month Sasha I'd like to thank you so much for coming along you've been so generous with your time and for letting us know about Lit for Life we're super super excited to see it take off. I think the first event will be on the 17th of April. And so if people wanted to book in or see what's left but ticket-wise, mm-hmm. they can do so on Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, Excellent. that's right. Yeah. That's um, great. Thank you very much for having me today oh, as well. No worries at all. If you'd ever like to come back, you'd yeah. be welcome to. Wonderful. Lovely to chat. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Marion Library's Literary Anything podcast a podcast where we talk about all things literary and absolutely everything. I knew I would mess up the intro and I have messed up the intro. (laughs) I'll just do it one more time. The City of Marion acknowledges that the Literary Anything podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people and recognizes the Kaurna people as the traditional custodians of the land.